to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast with your hosts, Jeremy Thake and Paul Schaeflein. Each week, you'll catch us speaking to expert developers about new tech, lessons learned, and opinions in the space. Hi, Paul. How are you going? I am going pretty good. I am two days away from leaving on vacation. So what's not to love? I know. And we, so we've had to change this uh, intro or recording to um, a Wednesday rather than the usual Friday. So where are you going? Anywhere? Yes. Exciting? The entire family is going to Disney World. So looking forward to seeing what's new and enjoying uh, the uh, what, they, what they call food and wine festival at Epcot and uh, poolside margaritas. So it's all good. <laughs> I've done that food and wine festival before and I think there's just a lot of wine and not much food from the, the people I saw yeah. going to it. And they've added in uh, craft beers the last couple of years too, so there's lots of beer there as well. And the locals, boy, they come yeah. in ready to rock and roll on Friday and Saturday night. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Those do. yeah they, they make the most of their special passes <laughs> for sure. Yes. Yeah. So, so well, furiously cranking away. Make sure you're gone by 10 o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, I'm an old man. How late do you think I'm out? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I've seen yeah, that. <laughs> yes, exactly. But when I'm out, look out, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you'll see him propping up the bar in Margaritaville. Yeah, yeah. So that'll be good. Uh, taking the grandson, he might be too little to remember, but that doesn't mean we can't spoil him. So, so it'll be good. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's more about you at this stage than um, as the kid. You can just take photos and remind them when they're older. <laughs> That's what we did with Scarlett. We took her when she was like eight months old at Ignite. And I think the only ride she even smiled at was It's a Small World. Yeah. And then it was stuck in our head for 300 days. Yeah. You're welcome for anyone who knows that song and is now like, damn you, Jeremy, for reminding me about that song. You know, I've I've been going to Disney almost every year since 2002, and I think I've been in that ride once. So it's all it takes. Get that earworm, and you're set to go. Anyways, so how you going? <laughs> Good, buddy. I um I uh, found out that there was a teams airlift this week, which is an event that the teams guys put on, guys and girls put on. Um, headed up by Carolina Godamala and Laurie Potimer, and um. They, it's really cool. They have like developers there, administrators and kind of like end user information workers. And they do a bunch of sessions where they talk about like what's going to go on at Ignite and here's all the stuff we're working on and like really deep workshops on, you know, things that they've got challenges on and they want feedback from people on in those different audiences. So um, it was fun just to pop my head in and say hi when the graph session was that Nick Kramer, who's the principal PM over there, um, presented and you know usual suspects in there like Sebastian Levert and Victor Willen and um, who else is in there Dave Warner was in there there was a bunch of guys in there which is good to, good to say hi oh, obviously Jason Hillstein was in town so um, yeah so it's fun to catch up with them for a little bit and um, oh and John Paluzzo as well an old guy from my stomping grounds when I was at Avpoint so it was nice to see that there was a bunch of people giving strong feedback to the team on things that I have strong feedback on too. So it, it works when they hear it from externals as well as hearing it from internal people as well. But um, actually on that note, uh, well, other than Wick to doing a, the interview today, um, there was a blog post that was released on September 13th last week. And it was um, about a breaking change, the calling online meetings API. 
Um, there's updates, but there are breaking changes. And I know before the call, you were like, you know, there's breaking changes on graph. And I'm like, what? Really? No, that doesn't happen. Um, but it's because the calling an online meeting or calls and online meetings endpoints on the graph are actually still in beta. And as you are all aware, you should realize that changes can happen in beta and we reserve the right to do that. And we have that in our little terms and conditions. So um, we've decided that rather than surprise you with these changes, that uh, we are doing blog posts um, as these things, well, before these things happen. So a button was pushed to roll these things out to the various different rings of graph around different tenant groupings and data centers around the world. Um, and they're saying that it should be completely rolled out actually by now. Uh, by the middle of September. Um, it's kind of interesting. We don't have full control of how long it takes because there's a lot of complexity to how we do the deployments across the different rings and tenants in production. But um, there, essentially there's some changes to, to some enums and some complex types. So if you have done anything with the um, slash app slash calls or slash app slash online meetings, um, you will need to go check those out. Um <clears throat> And they've also changed it to slash communication slash calls and slash communication slash online meetings too. Um, there will be supported backward compatibility in beta, but obviously I think when we go to V1, it'll just be communication. So again, feedback we've been getting that slash app doesn't necessarily make sense and isn't easily discoverable when they start looking for things like, how do I set up a Teams meeting on an existing calendar meeting? Yeah, the uh, and this kind of highlights what I've been been saying before is you should be looking at things periodically. In fact, uh, mm -hmm. uh, last week uh, that my uh, my task or here at Adam three six five was go through look at all the updated NuGet packages, and uh, obviously I had just finished. And when this when this blog came out, and what really affected me was the the other breaking change that the Teams is pushing out, in which uh, chat threads are now going to be called channel messages, and so. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is uh, the shape of the object coming back is pretty much the same, but the, obviously the URL being different is a, is a big deal. And so uh, we, our product leverages the beta endpoint. We have customers who want that functionality, so we tell them, oh, we'll do it, but you know, there's a risk that it might break and we have to fix it. And this is one of those things that came up, and we uh, fortunately this blog post gave us a, a week notice, so it was easy enough to go through and, and update it. Um, but the... I get that breaking changes are allowed, but it was kind of surprising that it was a short notice, but I'll take it. Short notice is better than no notice at all. So, so in that, yeah, in that and regard. you can subscribe to the RSS feed so you get that awareness. Um, yeah, which is, which I did. and obviously it, yeah, I mean, there is that scenario where you've got something in prod and you're not paying attention and you're using beta in production and, you know, at your own risk, basically. Um, the SDKs will change, so you'd catch it at compile time because the, the manifest would change and the SDKs are rebuilt every week. Not um, in beta. And so if you pull down the latest packages... Not in beta. Not in beta, I <laughs> yeah. know. We're getting close to that. Yeah. We are getting close to that. Yeah. Um, Michael Maynard in our um, team has been working on that with Daryl Daryl Miller, so we are getting closer there. But, um, yeah, it's definitely some, something to keep an eye on is following the RSS feed for things, especially if you are using beta stuff in any type of 
critical system. You just need to keep an eye on it. Yeah, yeah. And and it, it again, it's just good code hygiene. Should be checking in on things. Obviously, there's a little overhead there or technical debt, if you want to call it. But it's certainly worthwhile to see, read the change log, see what's coming, see what's new. And and the other thing I've noticed uh, just running through trying to use the beta endpoint in a production application does kind of expose things that are kind of funky or missing or doesn't flow right or confusing. And that kind of feedback uh, is usually well received. So if I here here's a legit code, it's not just some demo, it's just some legit code trying to do, here's what we're trying to do in this, this endpoint doesn't fit. So uh, if you do, uh, you sh- another reason to be looking at the beta API and hitting it and getting that feedback out so we can, it makes it better for everybody. Yeah, and, and there are other ways that you can keep an eye on changes. Um, we are working on a, a more advanced change log in the graph um, where you'll be able to like set filters for the workloads you're interested in and just see those things in the change yes, log. Yes, thank you. <laughs> but um, Yeah, it's coming. Um, but in the GitHub.com Microsoft graph and then the MS graph metadata repo, um, this is where we actually suck down the metadata every week and it's what the SDK teams do to generate SDKs from. And if you look at the commits for that repo, um, you can actually do compares against the different weeks. So you can see what changes um, between the um, the different rollouts of metadata over the weeks. And so, you know, you can see there's August 27th, there was two and September 3rd and September 10th, end of the 17th. And so you can go and follow that repo and get a good idea about what the changes are on individual things, which is, I actually use this a fair bit too. Um, but we are, you know, we've heard the feedback and we're going to kind of get better at this too. Um, I do like the fact that the commits are coming from a big giant robot is the username and get <laughs> for the commits coming through, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Filtering the, uh, filtering the, um, the change log would be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah, and there's some stuff that we're trying to tie into the developer program to make that even easier too. So there's some really nice things coming that we're all working on around like just improving the way that we personalize the experience for you as a developer, which is nice. Uh, that reminds me, this week I got a nice friendly email from the Office Developer Program saying my uh, tenant was renewed again. So uh, it, the program Ooh. works as advertised. It's excellent. I, I, I've switched over uh, using the, my developer tenant for everything that's not tester production for the most part. Just and I've had no roadblocks whatsoever. Um, I'm a tenant admin, cool. yeah, and I added the users and the and the, I added the mail and calendar and stuff. But I don't I don't do a lot of stuff with mail, so I haven't really looked at that. But having the user accounts and and I wanted to test guest access on something, so I had another tenant which I could use to log into you know our test environment. Say here's a guest, and yeah, the it's that dev program tenant is working out terrific. So if you haven't done it yet, folks, go do it. Yeah, and the team that are driving this um, are really looking for feedback on like what other sample packs do you guys want? Like we understand, um, you know, there's some obvious ones that people want, but um, there's particular scenarios and then definitely reach out to that team. I think there's links directly in that page that you can see who they need to go contact on that. So um, yeah, the dev program is legit. I, um, I use those environments all the time and uh, we interestingly internally at Microsoft IT have locked down um, with an approval process deploying applications, even if it's just to do delegated user consent 
or mail.read, for instance, for obvious security reasons. Um, and, you know, lots of large organizations do this externally too. And so I often get questions from internal field people trying to build demos, you know, and signing in with their at Microsoft.com accounts to do things, which, you know, demo code against your live <laughs> inbox. Sure, that sounds like a really smart thing to go do. Um, and so I point them to the dev program to go get their own tenant and they're like, wow, this is amazing. Like I didn't know about this. So, you know, you'll keep hearing me talk about these developer tenants on here because I'm sure you're all experiencing that with the work you're doing too. Cause no one codes dev in production. No one at all. Yeah. Sorry. Um, in other news, um, which is cool. They announced, um, all of the Microsoft events for the next year ahead. So here, the CVP of... Uh, events, studios, and community. Uh, Bob Bajan um, posted around obviously Ignite being in November 4th to the 8th in sunny Orlando, Florida. Um, but most interestingly, usually they keep Build up their sleeve, but Build has just been announced <clears throat> back in sunny Seattle. I kid, it usually is sunny in Seattle at that point in the year. Uh, is May 19th to the 21st of 2020. And then a biz app summit is April 20, 20th to 23rd in 2020 in Anaheim in California. So I'm assuming that's going to be by the parks. Um, and then inspire is July 20th to 24th in Vegas. Shutter on 2020. <laughs> um, but an interesting dilemma uh, for a lot of this audience is, is that if you go check uh, sharepointna.com, the build dates and the SharePoint NA dates are the same week, um, which means I can't get to SBC, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and I think it kind of makes it obvious SharePoint team <clears throat> might not have much coverage at build, which uh, we'll see how that goes. They're going to have to divide and conquer a bit. Yeah, the um, well, so the <clears throat> developer story at SharePoint conference has always been – a small fraction of the conference, right? I mean, when you think about the vast yeah, thing and, and even like, like you were mentioning the team's airlift, uh, that again, when it covers all these different areas of the product, uh, it, it's so, so I get that there's a confusion there. Uh, so it should be interesting. I, I would imagine the developer crowd. Um, but I guess the other thing to be determined about build is what, what is the developer message? If it's still, obviously listeners of our podcast probably care, but for people who are just casual SharePoint devs, maybe they don't necessarily need to learn about WPF or whatever's new in windows dev. So it will be interesting. So I, I guess, uh, everyone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, build is becoming definitely the Azure Azure conference, um, as the majority of the developer story at Microsoft is around Azure and, you know, Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code. And, um, yeah, there's definitely Windows dev there. And, um, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that gets managed for sure. And I'm certainly glad so, Build was announced now instead of waiting and say, oh, by the way, it's, you know, two months away, go register and go sign up. Right. So it's nice to have a little runway. Yeah. And even like internally, you know, the, 
like there's always rumors about what the dates are and like every engineering team <laughs> starts planning for build without really knowing what the final drop down date is so yeah. it's kind of good for an engineering purpose now that we actually know i, I do re- i do remember talking about that before <laughs> that is like we're not sure if this is going to land we don't know if we have time but yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh bonus they announced it three weeks later and they thought we yeah. Would. yeah we got that now we got that in our pocket now that's awesome yeah, so it's nice to have a target date rather than just some kind of hedge that's going to be sometime in May. Yeah. And then um, two other quick shout outs. There was um, an adaptive cards community call since the last podcast we did and a Teams community call that we've done too. Um, did Were you on those calls, Paul? Uh, no, neither one of them I could attend, sadly. Um, it's on my list to look at the recordings. Uh, so I, I do know that uh, adaptive cards had... I, Pretty sure Matt Hedinger was on, and Matt's kind of one of the one of the the lead designers of the whole adaptive cards bit. So it'd be uh, I certainly want to see what he had to say there. So and the, the team's community called. I do remember listening in the background, but I couldn't tell you what the topics were. Now it was um, it was more about it was developer focused. I think they were they were covering yet another one of the sample bots that they have out. So uh, certainly worth uh, checking in. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, this um, show today is with Victor Willen. Um, he's a good friend of both mine and Paul's. We've all been in the community or working at Microsoft <laughs> now for me uh, for too long. And uh, it's great to see like what he's doing um, at Avenard with some enormous, enormous Office 365 customers. And so it's always great to have him on the show. So um, it was great that he could carve off time to jump in a room and record this. And uh, if anyone wants to come on the show, please reach out. We 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 want to hear from other people other than the usual suspects in the MVP circuit that we, you know, we pull on. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people listening to this show because I keep getting tweets and people high fiving we and and various different things when when I go to different events. So um, don't be a stranger. We are uh, more than happy to have people on to talk about what they're working on and have a good discussion. And if you are ever up in Seattle, um, please let me know you're coming up. And even if you don't want to do a podcast, I'd love to catch up for a beer and, um, you know, speak to people that listen to the show. So with that, thanks again, Paul, for this week and go enjoy your vacation. Uh, and, I um, will. Oh, that, you know, that reminds me, uh, when there was one piece of feedback, a shout out to Rob Windsor. Um, Rob commented that our show, oh, our show right. with Todd Beginski last time on the Common Data Service, and Rob's comment was, a lot of the things that were talked about are premium license, so you may you may have to pay extra for some of that stuff. So I, I don't know any more than than that, but uh, thanks for thanks to Rob for shouting out. Uh, even little tips like that are great feedback, and we love to share those. So thanks. And uh, yeah, cheers, Rob. I appreciate that. I'm ready to drop the keyboard and head on out. So. <laughs> <sighs> You've already, I can see you've already got your Bermuda shorts on <laughs> and yeah, little hat here. There you go. Off, off I go. So, all right, buddy. See ya. Go and go annoy Mickey Mouse in, uh, in Orlando. Okay. I'm in Lincoln Square in Bellevue today. I'm not in the Redwing campus because Microsoft Teams team 
Seems weird, doesn't it? Uh, of organiser teams airlift. So I'm assuming they've got you all with weights and lifting mega weights and lifting things. I don't know why it's called an airlift. I asked Laurie Potmeyer and it just came up with a name that just didn't conflict with anything else because it's not just dev, it's IT pro and end user as well. So we have Wick DeWill on the show. Thank you. Again, it's good to be here. Yeah. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of looping around the usual suspects now that we've done our series of shows with Paul. Yeah. Um, so thanks for coming back on. Yeah, fun. Uh, it's, it's good to be here in this week and, and so on attending the airlift and see what they, the team's team have up their sleeve. Uh, yeah. yeah, and all NDA content. So yeah, basically all anyone can do on Twitter is show off that they're at the airlift yeah. but not be able to say what yeah. they're doing. Yeah. So wait till Ignite for some interesting announcements. Yeah, there was I, I made it my excuse to come over here and sneak in the back of Nick Kramer's session and learn some things about the Microsoft graph that I didn't know were coming. <laughs> so I need to go have yeah. a meeting with Nick now. But yeah. that, it was funny, there was a bunch of people at the back of the room and they were, you know, obviously like what do you mean this? And it's like, I think there's this impression that there's this unlimited amount of engineers at Microsoft so that if we want to go fix a problem, we can go fix it and throw bodies at it. And this is not how things work. You know, there's, there's a lot to go do and prioritization is a thing at Microsoft, much like it is a small startup or mm. even in an enterprise dev team inside an organization, there's a finite amount of resources to go get stuff done. And so it's interesting when these people come here and, well, why haven't you done this? And then they get frustrated. It's like, I'm sure you have the same reaction when customers <laughs> ask you for a particular feature in their solution you're selling to yeah, your customer. Exactly. And yeah, but it's great. So it's great attendance from the different product groups here uh, when it comes to uh, feedback sessions that we're having. I've been having feedback sessions with the bot framework team. So those engineers and developers have been here. So that, that direct interaction with them has been perfect this week so far. Yeah, and there's a lot of them here. I mean, they're, yeah. you're in their building, you know that, mm. right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, We've sneaked up to a focus room on a second floor to have this interview and um, they're all here. So they're all down mm. there engaging, which is awesome. Yep. And so um, since we last talked to you, like you've always been in, known in my circles around SharePoint development for a long, long time and you know, reading your blog on how to do things in SharePoint and learn a lot from you. But more recently, you've moved um, into the team space and you've built a Yeoman generator, much like, well, I built the Office Dev one and there was the SharePoint team did a Yeoman generator for the SPFX stuff. But you've built a command line tool to help kind of spawn up Teams projects. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So a uh, couple of, I think it was a year and a half ago, almost two years ago now, uh, I needed a way to create Microsoft Teams applications demos faster. And uh, since there's no uh, Visual Studio solutions, you cannot do file new Teams app application. So I created it for myself. Uh, I wanted to be ba to be based on Node.js, so TypeScript, uh, both client side and server side. So I started doing that for Teams tabs. I think it's two two and a half years ago now, actually, mm -hmm. uh, just for me to scaffold out and create demos fast. And when doing it, sitting in workshop with clients for them to understand what Teams applications were, and it took off quite good. I got good feedback from that, uh, and then started developing it further and further, and then eventually. Uh, had some discussions with Microsoft and so Microsoft and the Teams team took ownership of that open source uh, generator now so it's under That's the awesome. office dev uh, uh, repository or organization mm -hmm. uh, which is really cool now so but I'm still maintaining it and doing the the major amount of work even though there's some really nice contrib contributions from some famous people in the community as well both on, on the client side and server side and, and feature side and and uh, it's going up and down in the, in the amount of time I've had working with it. But I think over the last uh, six months or so, had some really good progress with some quite significant releases, also based on the 
the the sheer number of new features that the the Teams team has released as well around the application development. So because it's open source, you essentially have to wait till it's in the wild to then be able to like branch to be able to start building those capabilities in the Omen generator, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. Uh, both that, but also what I'm doing, I'm supporting the, so that the Teams applications, they are based around the manifest, which has the schema version. Yeah. We're, we're at 1.5 right now. But there's also developer preview, uh, which are, of course, some unknown uh, features in sometimes, and you don't really know if it, they're working, etc. But I have my generator made in such a way so I can, when you scaffold out the project, you choose which version to use. Okay. So I support everything from 1.3 up to the 1.5 and now dev preview. Where so in the dev preview is sort of a way for me as well to have experimental code and those kind of things. Uh, so, but but and also what I'm trying to be working out now in the, the latest release is how easier can make it for you to upgrade as well from 1.3 to 1.4 and 1.5 to take advantage of the latest and greatest features. That's cool. And so, when you deploy those apps on those different schema versions, mm-hmm. do you have to be on? certain builds of teams or does it handle use the app separate from the client itself no so the release versions uh, the 1.5 1.4 and 1.3 etc all works in in the ring 4 i think it is the ga client so the dev preview might not always work mm-hmm. uh, depending on the, the feature i would say uh, but uh, as far as I've seen, I've heard, uh, I don't, haven't seen any documentation on it, but all older versions are still supported in Microsoft Teams. That's cool. Yeah. And then there's a developer mode. There's a developer mode you can choose in the, in the client as well, but yeah. uh, depending on what kind of developer preview feature you're looking into, it might be in, in very early rings or not even yeah, for the rings that uh, our, com, uh, the, our normal people can access. So it's yeah. only for your internal rings. And then, um, and so what would you say are some of the newer things you've seen in the more recent versions that have made a big difference to the team story as an application platform? Yeah, so in one of the, actually the latest feature I added to the generator was uh, coming from Sweden, uh, localization is a big thing. <laughs> uh, so that is something that they added uh, now in the latest version. So it's easier for, for us to build applications. What, you don't speak English in Sweden? <laughs> <laughs> we do, but uh, we need to provide uh, multiple languages. <laughs> so that's one of the th- things I added to it. So it's easier uh, since the schema supports that. So I mm-hmm. added that to generator. But I would say that the predominant uh, set of work that I've done is around messaging extensions and, and all the different ways you can do that and how they can, can be configured. But also, the, since I said I'm basing it on Node.js and, and there's no GA version of the bot builder and Teams SDK. Mm-hmm. So it's been a lot of, I've had to build my own middlewares to get things properly working and those kind of things. Yeah. So it's been a lot of plumbing as well. And it's going to be something and then and, and upgrade to the bot framework for uh, uh, 4.1, I think it is right now as well that I'm using. So that has been a lot of work uh, getting all that to work. Yeah. And so yeah. remind me, the with the message extensions, mm-hmm. like what is the key scenario there as a Teams developer? There's a couple of things with messaging extensions. And so the, I guess everyone has used them, but not heard the word messaging extension. But a messaging extension are what you can see when you go to the compose box and you click on the GIFI icon and you can select from oh, a yeah. set of GIFs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You can make those custom uh, ones and, for instance, look at products in your uh, CRM or customers in your CRM or products in your ERP system and those kind of things and insert your rich card instead of saying, hey, take a look at product number one, two, three. Instead, right. you look that product up and you can insert a rich 
speech and actionable uh, adaptive card into the conversation. So those are message extensions. And there's two versions of them, and those are the search-based ones where you search for something and insert a card. But you also have the action-based where you can click on the ellipsis and dot, dot, dot on an already existing uh, uh, chat message, mm -hmm. and you can take actions on that message. So for instance, create the to-do task around this, uh, this message. So you can pop up a um, uh, task module or a form or a custom uh, web application page, essentially, where you can ask for some extra information and then post the information back to oh, Graph cool. and create, create the to-do item, for instance. So does that take the context of the message where you've clicked the dot, dot, dot exactly. and pass it into yeah. that modal so, dialog? Exactly. So you get the, the, the you essentially get the message back to your application and then you can do whatever you want with that, ask the user for more information. And so creating a task in to-do is a common scenario when I do demos, etc. Does it do it as a modal or does it do it as a pop-up? Because I can imagine like there's a lot of people I talk to where we do one sentence backwards and forth like we're teenagers on SMS, yeah. whereas some people are like verbose, their yeah. message is 50 paragraphs before they click send. So, and that is one of the things with, with the team's clients. So it is a sort of a modal dialogue, but yeah. you, if you click outside, that will close. So I recommend you not have really advanced forms that you need to fill in <laughs> 50 things on and takes 10 minutes to do, because if you get a notification from someone, you yeah. will click that one, so. Yeah, it's yeah. Gonna, mm. you click on the notifications, it yeah, will just be exactly. gone forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and the, the cool thing with these message extensions is that they, they they're all built on the bot framework, and that's where I needed to create, or I don't need it to create the middleware for bot framework in there, but but made everything much simpler for me, uh, specifically if you're working with multiple messaging extensions within the same solution, mm -hmm. because they're all, all named, etc. so I could separate the code in a much better way. Um, but this support things such uh, as uh, if you need authentication, for instance, take the example where you need to, you want to send uh, the message and create a to-do task in the Microsoft Graph, for instance. Right. You need to put up a consent dialog and you need to, the end user to sign in, etc. cetera. Mm -hmm. yeah, then you can actually pop up a specific sign-in form or a config form and those kind of things as well. So it has a very good support for that a normal flow of an application the first time set up or the when you need to do the authorization. That's cool. Mm? And so like with your customers, is that something now where, I mean, obviously if it's new, you're going to them and showing them specific examples to try and inspire them and what makes sense for their business solutions. It, is it, you getting to the point now where people are like, hey, we need that thing like a Givy, mm -hmm. but we need it for our CRM or they, the customers aren't quite there yet in terms yeah, of realizing. I would say some clients are there, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But I think right now it's more about the tabs uh, and how yeah. you can actually create a tab and that experience. And I think that's a fairly good starting experience mm -hmm. to, to do things before they go into that kind of conversational context where you want to enrich a conversation. But then the step after that, uh, I would say, is those creating a simple lookup kind of thing. So look up a product, look up a customer or right. something like that. And that's a very good example to start with. It's fairly simple to do as well. So, but, but tabs is predominantly what we are building for our clients right now. And, and that also, if we connect that to um, the new app policies that was released for Microsoft Teams. So, and with app policies, you can, def so if you see the Teams application, you have the left rail, for instance, where you have the Teams, chats, and, and applications, et cetera. And in the yeah. mobile app, you have the app tray with those icons in the bottom. Yeah. And with these app policies, you can define 
per group of user. So for instance, for my office workers or my HR team or et cetera, and set up, these are the applications that this team should see by default in the tray, uh, bottom tray or the left-hand rail. Oh, that's so cool. you can push out applications to a set of users. Oh, right. I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah. So you could have like some kind of line of business application exactly, for yeah. HR yeah, and just this, as a shortcut for, mm, just for them. And I would say this is one of the key things that made made our clients even more interested because that's been a pain previously because mm-hmm. you see Teams chat and those kind of things. You have to click on the ellipsis and install that app and find that app. Yeah. But now they can actually push that out to all all the users or or the, the groups of users that they want. That's cool. So that's, yeah. And also with the graph now where we have the application events where you can install apps using the Microsoft Graph as well. I think that's also a super important thing. So you can automate that whole process and make it easier. So as soon as you onboard a user, you can ensure that they have the correct apps installed, et cetera, et cetera. And so with that app tray, I'm guessing there's a limited amount of real estate. Is there a yeah, notion same. of more? Or? So exactly. So in the mobile application, you have five of them, I think it is. But yeah. then you have you swipe with the thumb upwards. Oh, I have noticed that, actually. Yeah, exactly. This yeah. is very... You, uh, someone, someone, yeah, yeah, someone has to show you, but yeah. there's, there's an open notion of actually seeing That's more where of these I go applications. Now to look up contacts and yeah. find out where they're on the org chart. Mm, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so you can find the wiki and, and planner and those kind of things in there yeah. as well. Yeah. Huh, okay. Mm-hmm. And so with that app deployment, how does that, I mean, is that done at a tenant-wide admin level? Mm, they exactly. just have that kind of configuration pane? Yeah, exactly. So it's on a tenant level. Uh, so the teams uh, admin.teams.microsoft.com mm-hmm. is the, the admin center which is the new one so essentially everything from the old admin teams admin center which was in the office 365 admin portal has moved over to the new teams admin center and that's they have then in the left hand menu they have applications and now you have the new app policies there yeah yeah it's interesting um something that's been discussed with a few customers recently was um i guess this notion of uh, can we control who can consent certain things at the mm-hmm. graph level mm-hmm. or can we pre-deploy things to people? And mm-hmm. yeah, you can absolutely do that in um, either portal.azure.com when you're in the enterprise apps area mm-hmm. and go into the app and look at the group secu- no, the security for the application. Mm-hmm. But um, there are other ways you can do it proactively as well with the cloud app security portal, mm-hmm. which is part of the five you know uh, enterprise security suite. And that allows you to kind of put in rules to say things like, um, I allow any application for all employees to consent calendar.read and mail.read, mm. but I'm going to block calendar.read write or things like that. Or permanently, no one has access to mailboxes no matter what app they can try and consent to. And I think a lot of people are unaware of that kind of level of governance. And so if you uh, type in cloud app security portal in um, being all Google, it'll jump you into docs.microsoft.com right in that location. And you better read about all the different controls. And I would say my experience as being a vendor out there when I was with Hypervision Point, like we get those questions all the time, like how can we, you know, stop people from deploying these apps like yours mm-hmm. or control them or approve them. Mm-hmm. And it's just worthwhile checking those things out. So it's good that Teams is doing that from their own notion of Teams apps, mm-hmm. which is I guess there's definitely an overlay between Graph and Teams apps, but just the way they're doing governance now at that app security level is really important for big customers. Absolutely. And you mentioned as well pre-consenting applications or mm-hmm. pre-consenting the permissions to the graph, for instance. If you th- think about the, the first-line worker examples when you have 100,000 or 10 or 20,000 users uh, and and they have no notion of accepting an application, right. understanding what does this graph permission mean. 
Yeah. So pre-consenting that to make it easier for them to get on board. Those are sort of the part of the workflow that makes it so much easier to well, actually... saves p- them interacting on yeah, those yeah. screens, right? Yeah. I mean, so, so saves your health desk from a lot of calls. Yeah, I, I, my parents are here at the moment and my mum, like, you know, every now and again, I'll go, oh, sure, fine, what have you got installed here? And mm. you go look at app permissions and what things she's granted location to and what things she's granted microphone to. And yeah. like, you don't even read those things when they pop up on your iPhone. She's like, no, just click OK, I trust yeah. them. And I'm like, or they don't click OK. Yeah, then you then need the, to handle that in your right. application as well because nothing works. Right, and, they, and then, so yeah, like ringing me that you're at, this app doesn't work and you yeah, help me it's like, no exactly. <laughs> family yeah, app support exactly yeah um and so outside of that that aspect like um what else are you finding are really kind of top topic topics in teams with some of your larger customers that you work with so the, i would say that one the one big discussion i having with my clients now specifically we talk about the large clients is the the kaisala microsoft teams kind of mm-hmm. thing how they will merge which is super interesting uh, hopefully is more stuff will be around r- announced around the ignite time frame yeah. nothing we can talk about here but we all know or it's publicly known that kaisala will be moved into microsoft teams mm-hmm. because that is targeting that kind of audience in a, in a way with easy sign up and login etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, specifically when you when you have high turnover of employees in, in retail or manufacturing or whatever. So that is one of the big things around Microsoft Teams. Interesting. Right yeah. And they have their own app model, I believe, too. So it would be interesting exactly. to see yeah. the future of how mm-hmm. that all converges, too. Yeah, so they have a sort of – there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Uh, but they have some interesting stuff in there. So I'm looking forward to see more of that roadmap going forward. Yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. And so in your future, like, I, I, are you going to be at Ignite? Are you speaking? Yes. Absolutely, yes. It's always one of those awkward things. Yeah. That, like I, I compare it to um, stupidly asking someone if they're pregnant or not. <laughs> now with Ignite now, like it's been a really hard year. Yeah. Um, if someone is a speaker or not, mm. um, and so I just haven't asked, but I do know because I checked. Yeah. Um, that you are, and you've got three sessions. Yeah, exactly. Three sessions on all on Microsoft Teams development, which wow. is super fun. So it's sort of uh, it's going to be at least one that is. Uh, from beginner how to get started with yeah. the teams app and, and it's all all of them are short sessions 20 minutes only so it's but but the, i think those are pretty fun it will be essentially one big demo only mm-hmm. minimum amount of slides so that's uh, and also have a messaging extension we mentioned uh, mentioned have one deep dive going into all the kind of different options you can do that and i will show that's the cool. yeoman generator how simple it is for you to essentially try out the I don't I think it's 16 or 17 different combinations you can use a generator to set that up with. So, That's cool. Yeah. And so um, those are the they breakouts or theater, like breakouts, 45 minutes, theater, So No, 20. this is the uh, theater, theater, 20 minutes. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I think they're all going to be recorded. So mm-hmm. if people aren't even, um, come to Ignite. Yes. But if you're not, these yeah. things will be available on the site. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And so how do people follow you? How would they know where to find Victor yes. and talk about Teams and SharePoint? I'm sure exactly. you still want to talk about SharePoint every now and again. Yeah, the SharePoint is still a big part of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and now I think that's it's super interesting. So when um, and we see that I actually talked about this week as well and, and uh, the how SharePoint framework and, and Teams work good together. Mm-hmm. Actually, going back to the generator, one of the things that I've added to the generator, so you all know you, you can use the SharePoint framework web part now have it as a Teams tab. I did the same thing with the generator now. Uh, since it's supporting the manifest, you can have a Teams tab, with, which is a provider host, and so you can have server-side and client-side code and have that as a SharePoint framework or SharePoint web part. 
Great. Well, I didn't know about that. Yeah. And I think that's a very good scenario in many cases when you need to do that background server side yeah. processing when you don't want to build up a microservices layer and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So you, from your Yeoman generator, yeah. you generate that. Exactly. So you, you, can you just choose, I want to tab and then I have a question. Do you want to enable this one in SharePoint Online? And click yes, no, and it's full page or web part. And, wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you've almost got provider hosted exactly. provider web parts, hosted, yes. but not ASP.NET based. There are no, no JS. Yeah. No JS yeah. based. Exactly. Look at you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But those, it's a really good scenario and, and makes sense in many cases uh, to, to do that. Um, so yeah, but how, how so SharePoint is still a big part uh, yeah. of it, uh, and and it's easiest way easiest way to get in contact with me is through Twitter. Uh, it's Victor W I C T O R. Uh, don't email me. That's no point. There's too much email, anyways. <laughs> I might not answer all Twitters either. <laughs> Twitter messages either. But that's the easiest way. You can raise an issue on the repo. Yeah, exactly. For the yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, so, Hi, Victor, how's your day going? So, aka.ms slash yo teams. That's, uh, oh, is that what you yeah, got? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it follows the yo office and yeah, yo exactly, SharePoint. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, look, I appreciate you coming today and doing yeah. this and enjoy awesome. the rest of the teams out I will. Yeah. And um, we will definitely go for a beer now. Absolutely. And um, yeah, we'll get you on post Ignite to talk about all the other stuff that Teams Will has do. released and how your roadmap for your Yeoman generator works based on everything that yeah. Teams announced at um, Ignite, which I'm really looking forward to seeing what they push through. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks very much, mate. Thank appreciate you. it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Microsoft 365 Developer Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at m365devpodcast and check out our show notes at www.m365devpodcast.com. To help us spread the word, we'd really appreciate it if you could retweet our episode tweets and give us a review on iTunes. That's all, folks. 